Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That, that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide 0% buyer fees. If your ticket is $26, your, pur- your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent, consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web. Authentic, valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. Today is August 1st, 2019, and on today's edition of The O Show, we talk Major League Baseball trade deadline, Yankees stand pat, Astros break their hearts, break the hearts of most Yankee fans everywhere, I'd say. Red Sox still don't have a closer. The the Dodgers did absolutely nothing. The Mets and the Reds make the biggest moves of the week, which make no sense because they're not even in the pennant race. The Rays make a small move that could turn out to be a very big one. Um, One of the more vanilla trade deadlines in MLB history, I might say. Uh, We've also got Alcides Escobar on the show, 2015 World Series champion and 2015 ALCS MVP. Uh, on June 21st, Alcides had a walk-off Grand Slam in AAA for the Charlotte Knights, the AAA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox. We talk about his pitch sequence in the at-bat, his most memorable home runs in his career, including his inside the Parker off Matt Harvey in the World Series. Uh, and we talk about his club's momentum as well as his defensive play. It was literally a post-game interview, but it was fun talking to Alcides. We also have White Sox top pitching prospect Dylan Cease for a brief post-game interview, talking mechanics as well as his start on June 21st of this year. Just a few short weeks ago, Dylan's currently in the White Sox rotation after uh, being called up from AAA Charlotte three weeks ago. So that's a good interview, too. We're going to have to hold off on Declan and I's review of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood until next episode because he's still not here. Fuck you. Uh, But nevertheless, we've got an excellent show lined up for you. We're talking MLB trade deadline, the excitements, the disappointments. Alcides Escobar and Dylan Cease here on episode 75 of the O Show presented by Belly Up Sports and Tick Pick. Let's go.
Okay, episode 75 of the O Show podcast presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out, and buy TickPick Marketplace based in New York City. No hidden fees. Get your tickets now. It was a very exciting day. In Major League Baseball, if you're a Houston Astros fan, uh, immediately become favorites in the American League as the New York Yankees, once dubbed AL favorites in 2019, have all of a sudden hit the panic button as Brian Cashman stands put at the deadline, doesn't acquire any sort of pitching, not even a bullpen piece. Cindergard, Bumgardner, Bauer, Granke, Robbie Ray. I mean, would it kill you to give up a high-end prospect for a guy who has an ERA under four, man, oh man. Uh, The Yankees currently have five starting pitchers, all with a four ERA or higher. They play at Yankee Stadium, folks. That's a recipe for freaking disaster. I mean, just looking at the numbers here, Masahiro Tanaka, 4.78 ERA. Paxton, 4.72. He has not lived up to the potential after being traded for uh, Sheffield. From Seattle, Domingo Herman, who's had a great year. He's 13-2, and has a 4.08 ERA. Hap, 5.19, has not lived up to what he was last year. Sabathia, 4.78 in the final year of his career. I mean, it's really mind-numbing to think that Brian Cashman thinks that Luis Severino... And Dellen Batances are considered the Yankees' acquisitions down the stretch because who the hell knows what Luis Severino is going to bring to the table. The guy was shut down back in June with shoulder problems, and Batances, when healthy, is a concern anyways. I mean, I'm convinced that Dellen Batances can only throw strikes when his back is against the wall. Like, as if his life depends on getting the next three hitters out, it's almost like he intentionally walks the bases loaded on 12 pitches only to strike out the next three on nine. It's ridiculous. But I will say adding a somewhat talented Dellen Batances to the bullpen with Ottavino, Chapman, Canely, Green, Britton, and uh, Nestor Cortez Jr. How can I forget about Nestor Cortez Jr.? But adding Luis Severino to the rotation after nearly a year off from facing big league hitters and expecting him to be the savior of a rotation that rarely gets past the first inning is a mind-blowing revelation. Brian Cashman is just spitting revelations. Not only did the Yankees freeze at the deadline, they watched their number one competitor, and I'd say number one, because this is the team that's going to give you problems in the postseason. It ain't going to be the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota Twins can win 105 games. They can win 110 games this year, and the Yankees will take care of them, I assure you, in the division series. The Houston Astros are a concern with Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, and an all-of-a-sudden effective Wade Miley. I mean, are you serious? The guy's career was dead in the water before Justin Verlander took him under his wing, which begs the question, ladies and gentlemen... If Justin Verlander can turn Wade Miley's career around, what kind of frickin' Kool-Aid will he be serving to Zach Granke? The Houston Astros pull off arguably the biggest trade of the deadline at like 3.55 p.m. It was right before the deadline, like 2017 when Verlander literally signed his no-trade waiver clause to join Houston with two minutes left on the clock to help them win a World Series championship. They acquire Zach Granke from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Three of the five top prospects in the Astros organization, according to MLB Pipeline. So first baseman Seth Beer, who is the number three prospect in their organization. He went to Clemson. Uh, right-handers J.B. Bukowskis, 
number four overall prospect in the organization, Corbin Martin, number five, in addition to infielder Josh Rojas, who's number 22, and then cash considerations, which is like bats and gloves and, you know, whatever, going to Arizona. And Martin, the number 22 prospect, or excuse me, the number five prospect, recently just had Tommy John surgery and is out for the season, probably going to be out for half of next season. So they gave up four legitimate prospects that they were very excited about. I mean, Jeff Loonhow really made a gamble on this to go get Zach Ranke. Again, Zach Ranke, 35 years old, has $80 million left on his contract. He's 10-4 and this year with a 2-9 ERA in 23 starts for the D-backs, and he's been one of the more premier starters in the game for more than a decade. He's won uh, 197 games overall in his career as a 3.36 ERA, won the 2009 AL Cy Young Award with the Royals. As a pitcher, teams have watched him and tried to learn from him every opportunity that they can. I mean, Garrett Cole says that that he was basically a mentor to him, watching him throughout his career in the league. Uh, he thinks that he's a Hall of Famer and thinks that he's one of the best pitchers in his generation. I mean, just really a true craftsman. Uh, in the sense of always evolving, always being forward-thinking. Doesn't throw 95 anymore. You saw it in the Yankees. He started against the Yankees uh, yesterday before getting traded to Houston. I mean, he fooled Judge with like a 73-mile-an-hour curveball. I mean, his prep, his prep is off the charts. Durability, competitiveness, what a pickup. I mean, you saw all the grunts. He grunted almost 30 times in the first inning. Uh, grunts after every pitch. You saw Roger Clemens used to do that. Andy Pettit used to do that. But you could really hear the grunt from Zach Ranke. I mean, it was almost like Bruce Lee-esque. So now you've arguably got the AL Cy Young Award winner in Justin Verlander. You got Garrett Cole in the final year of his deal. Now you got Zach Ranke, who's going to fit in comfortably as a number three. I think he was on the Yankees. He was a... He had the Yankees on his no-trade clause because he would have been the guy. He would have been the guy that everybody looked up to to say that this is the savior. He didn't want all the publicity and all the media attention in New York and the big big city, big lights. Is a number three, almost invisible in Houston. I mean, he was the number one in Phoenix. I mean, that's a very small market out in the desert. Now he's going to be the number three behind Verlander and Garrett Cole in Houston, a team that's now the AL favorites to win the World Series, or at least go to the World Series to have a rematch with the Dodgers, essentially. And like I mentioned before, the way Justin Verlander has arguably been the reason behind Wade Miley's success this season, Wade Miley in the dirt in Boston in Milwaukee with Baltimore. The guy was lost. Goes to Houston, is an all-star. Who knows what... Zach Greinke's having a great year this year. Had kind of a rough career in Arizona. Didn't really live up to the contract that they gave him over $100 million. Coming to Houston with Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole backing you up, that's not a bad deal for Zach Greinke. And now the Yankees have a tough road ahead if they don't get home field advantage, they might not be seeing the World Series this year. Everybody thought they were the team to beat in the American League, if not the entire league. Not anymore. It's the Houston Astros and it's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Brian Cashman was very careful this year when it came to trades, and a lot of fans are freaking out. I don't want to jump on that uh, bandwagon of thinking I know what it's like to be Brian Cashman. I mean, some of the things people are saying on Twitter is just ridiculous. Like, you have any idea what it's like to be a general manager, let alone the general manager for the New York Yankees. Jesus Christ. I mean, Cash was getting lowballed by every team in the league. Just look at it this way. The Blue Jays wanted Glaber Torres 
and Davey Garcia for Marcus Stroman. Hell no. Are you serious? And as soon as they were told no, they sold Stroman to the Mets for a bag of Cheetos and some cash. What the hell happened there? I know Stroman was upset with the deal. Who wants to play for the Wilpons? I mean, Jesus. I will say their rotation is pretty filthy, if healthy, for the second half with Cindergaard staying put, DeGrom at the top of that order, Marcus Stroman being added to it. You got Steven Matz. They traded Vargas. I mean, I'm not saying that they gave up nothing. I mean, Anthony Kay was their top pitching prospect in the organization. Still not going to be anything special in the big leagues, or at least he's not touted to. But that that's turning around from wanting Glaber Torres and Davey Garcia from the Yankees to just taking two very underwhelming pitching prospects from the Mets. I mean, Cashman was getting lowballed by everybody. And his talks with the Diamondbacks for Robbie Ray or even Archie Bradley, it seemed like, they wanted Clint Frazier and Estevan Floriel. It was going to be Clint Frazier, Estevan Floriel, and two other top prospects. There's no way you can make that trade if you're Brian Cashman. It doesn't matter if you need... I mean, it matters. They need pitching. I mean, they're in a tough spot after the Granky deal with Houston. And they even added um, Sanchez from Toronto as a bullpen piece. And he's a pretty damn good starter, Aaron Sanchez. Now he's in the bullpen in Houston. That That's a problem. Houston, the Yankees have a problem going into the stretch here in 2019. Now, I could have seen Cashman accepting a mega deal with the D-backs. Let's say they were to work out something along the lines of acquiring three pitchers from Arizona for Frazier and some top prospects. So, theoretically, let's say the Yankees give up Clint Frazier, Estevan Floriel, and Chance Adams for Zach Granke, Archie Bradley, and Robbie Ray. Let's say you get two decent arms. Again, Zach Granke having a great year. Robbie Ray's no joke either. And you add Archie Bradley to that already impressive bullpen that's going to see Dylan Batantis join the likes of Ottavino and Chapman and Nestor Cortez and all that stuff later on. I mean, that's a pretty good deal for the Yankees. That, that would have satisfied the fan base. Because a guy like Clint Frazier, it's obvious that the Yankees are burying him at the moment. I mean, the guy's not playing... At all. I mean, Mike Talkman, God bless him, he's having a great run right now for the Yankees. He shouldn't have been called up to play in London a month ago. It should have been Clint Frazier hitting 283 with 11 home runs and over 50 RBIs already for the Yankees this season. Absolutely tearing it up in Scranton, the electric city. I mean, he even changed his uh, Instagram bio to Scranton Rail Riders, totally wrote off the Yankees, deleted all Yankee. Um, content from his Instagram page, which was kind of a salty move, if you ask me. Probably an unprofessional thing to do. But I'd be pissed too. Clint Frazier, unless the Yankees have some sort of plan for him, isn't seeing any playing time in the outfield with Judge, Stan, and Hicks out there for the next five years at least. He's a stud who also happens to be a very valuable tra uh, trade chip. And the same can be said for Floriel. These guys have no room on this roster. Uh, assuming you're going to lock up Judge uh, in the long term, Stan and Hicks are both locked up for the next seven years already. They're not playing. They are trade bait, and they needed to be used for starting pitching because the Yankees don't have any arms that can carry them into October. I mean, who's your rotation right now? Tanaka would obviously be the number one. Paxton would have to be number two, and I don't trust him at all. Herman, he's been successful thus far this season. Who knows how he's going to be in the playoffs? He's definitely going to have an innings limit towards the end of the year. 
Hap's been very underwhelming. Sabathia will probably be moved to the bullpen, although I would choose CC Sabathia over anybody on the roster in a Game 7 situation. Severino's coming back, but you don't know what you're getting, and you don't know how many innings he's going to be allowed to go. I mean, four or five innings at best, probably in a game. He's going to have a pitch count. And, I mean, Cashman's got to think about putting him in the bullpen as well. The Yankees might have to bullpen a few games here and there come the postseason, given that they have no arms and they can't pick anyone up. There's no August waiver wire anymore. That was it. That was their only chance, and they blew it. And what do you have to lose by giving up a Frazier or a Floriel? They're not seeing any time at the major league level when all of these Yankees are healthy. Clint ain't going to hurt you in Arizona. He ain't going to hurt you in San Francisco. It makes sense if you didn't want to trade him to Toronto because he can bite you then. But a guy like Mad Bum, Madison Bumgardner, an alpha when it comes to postseason baseball, when a guy like that becomes available and you're not willing to overpay a little and prospect hug guys who you have no plans for, it's really mind-boggling. I understand the argument of not wanting to give up big prospects for guys who may or may not pan out. I get it, Robbie Ray. I mean, God forbid you give up a Frazier and the guy has another 5 ERA. The next Sonny Gray, although I think James Paxton might be the next Sonny Gray, uh, but who knows. But Bumgarner is under team control for another season, and he's only 29 years old. The guy's been dominant throughout his entire career, maybe not as dominant as his early years, but an ace for sure. I mean, this team has no ace. I mean, who could the Cincinnati Reds have possibly given the Cleveland Indians that was so mouthwatering that they just couldn't say no to dealing Trevor Bauer to Cincy? Yasiel Puig, the guy barely gets along with his own teammates, literally was at the brunt of the attack the other night against Pittsburgh when Amir Garrett decided to go one-on-12 and throw some haymakers against the Pirates in a bench-clearing brawl. That was smart. That's your return? Come on, man. Cash could have done better than that. It would have been risky for sure, but they're never going to be used. Clint Frazier was more than an exceptional hitter during his time in the first half. Like I said, 283, 11 ding-dongs, and they'd rather have Tyler Wade on the roster hitting duck farts in the infield. I mean, the guy rarely hits the ball hard. Hit a home run the other night. I'll give him credit for that, but it's the same swing. He comes back up. He has the, he rakes in AAA, but he doesn't change his swing and hits 150 in the majors. I mean, it's unexplainable. They'd rather have Talkman on the roster. Again, he's been really good, but again, it should have been Frazier who was called up during that London series. I mean, Clint Frazier, albeit a pain in the ass sometimes, is deserving of a major league roster spot. Just my two cents. Okay, let, let's take a little break from deadline talk and get into one of our uh, interviews today. Uh, let's go with 2015 World Series champion, 2015 ALCS MVP, Alcides Escobar. Let's take a quick break and talk about TickPick. Got to get that advertisement in. TickPick, the number one New York City marketplace. No hidden fees. Get your tickets now. Here's a quick word from TickPick, and then we'll get into Alcides Escobar. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com. 
where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee. 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide. 0% buyer fees. If your ticket is $26, your pr your purchase is $26. No joke. The most transparent, consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web. Authentic, valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. Alcides Escobar, 2015 World Series champion with the Kansas City Royals. He was the 2015 ALCS MVP when they beat the Toronto Blue Jays. You couldn't get the guy out in that 2015 postseason. I'll tell you, hit well over 400. Hit the inside the park home run on a first pitch fastball from Matt Harvey against the Mets. They win the World Series in five games. Currently in the White Sox organization, uh, playing shortstop for the Charlotte Knights in AAA. He's not on... The White Sox 40-man roster, which is very surprising for a team who basically just has a bunch of holdover players waiting for these prospects to move up through the ranks. I mean, the White Sox system is pretty darn good. They traded away Fernando Tatis Jr. for big game James Shields a few years ago, one of the worst trades in MLB history it'll go down as. I mean, big game James, he probably had like two big games and like he never pitched well in a big situation, maybe like twice in his life, and they dubbed him Big Game James. I'll never understand it. But guys like Dylan Cease has come up through the ranks quick. You got Zach Collins, number one catching prospect. Danny Mendick, who we talked to on this show, playing second base, having a great year, hitting 280 with 12 home runs in AAA. You got Matt Skoll at first base. I mean, there's so many guys down there. Paulo Orlando's down there. Adam Angle just got called up. Same goes for Ryan Goins. Connor Walsh was a AAA All-Star this year. Kyle Kubot, left-handed pitcher. I talked to him on the show. He'll be on in the next few episodes. Great guy to talk to. One of my favorite interviews, by the way, him and Connor Walsh. Just a lot of talent in this White Sox system. And Alcides Escobar, the veteran on the team, he's only 32. Definitely the veteran presence on this White Sox Charlotte Knights AAA squad. Not on the 40-man roster, which means he get, he's stuck. He's basically stuck in AAA until they put him on the 40-man roster. I would not be shocked to see, or I mean, I guess they can now that the trade deadline's over. If I'm an MLB team, I'm sending a scout down to Charlotte to go see Alcides Escobar hitting well over 300 in AAA Charlotte. A way better option than most shortstops out there that would have been on the trade market if you're looking for a utility guy in the infield. Could play third, could play short, can play second. He's a valuable bat that's just being wasted down in AAA. I don't understand why he's not on the 40-man for the White Sox. That is a valuable asset for any team looking for a utility man in the infield. So here he is, Alcides Escobar on June 21st, hit a walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, Knights go on to win the game 10-8. Very exciting game. Got to sit up in the press box, got, to, got to, a chance to interview him after the game, talk about his approach, if he was thinking fastball first pitch, and his, if he was swinging. Talk about some of his most exciting home runs, including 
the inside the park home run against Matt Harvey in the World Series. Uh, and where this one ranks, the walk-off Grand Slam, where it ranks among the most memorable home runs that he's hit in his career. We'll talk about how exciting it is to get that Gatorade shower after the game when he's talking to the reporter after hitting a walk-off granny into the left field seats. All that and more with our brief post-game interview with 2015 World Series champion Alcides Escobar. Here at BB&T Ballpark in Charlotte, North Carolina, Alcides Escobar here with me. You come up clutch in tonight's win. Two-out walk-off grand slam here tonight in Charlotte. Were you thinking fastball on that first pitch? Uh, I'm looking for put the ball in play in that situation. I'm trying to hit homer, and I cut that one on the front, and I'm hitting really good. I know the ball is going. Did you know it was going off the bat? Yeah, that's the most emotional moment right there when I hit a homer and end the game. That's the best moment. Yeah, not a bad way to start off the weekend series. Yeah, that's a really good start today. And tomorrow I go ahead and talk tonight to win and come back hard tomorrow again. Now, CDs, you've hit a lot of big home runs in your uh, MLB career. You were the ALCS MVP for Kansas City in 2015, and everyone remembers your inside the park home run in Game 1 of the World Series off of Matt Harvey and the Mets. Where does this walk-off Grand Slam compare uh, in your home run rank? Uh, among the ones that you've hit in your big league career. Oh, this one, that's nice because I'll try to hit the ball. I feel insane. The ball is going. I know I'm happy for that home. Now you hit the walk-off grand slam tonight. Tell me the feeling of what it's like to be mauled by your teammates at home play and get the Gatorade shower after the game. For me, that's the best moment because everybody want to be the hero in that situation. And I do like last year too. And that's my second time I do the homer for for World Cup. That's, that's a really good moment. Now you've also been struggling. You've been struggling coming into tonight's game. Do you feel like that hit in the bottom of the ninth there is going to give you some momentum moving forward? You know, just for when I go outside to play, and play hard for win the game. That's the most important thing for me. Talk to me about that play in the seventh inning down the uh, third base side by the tarp. That That's a lot harder than it looks. You made that a lot oh, easier than it looks. Yeah, that's a, that play... That's a little bit complicated because you got the, the tarping on a lot of stuff down on, on the right side and I look into the door and look in the boat, you know, but that's a really good play.
Nothing like some John Belushi here on the O Show podcast, the Blues Brothers. But I, I, there was one question I didn't get to ask Alcides Escobar. Um, if he felt that Noah Syndergaard's first pitch fastball in Game 3 was intentional and if he was pissed about it. Because at the time, the Mets were down, I think, 2-0 in that series going back to City Field in Game 3. And there was a little tension after Game 2 and Noah blatantly threw a first pitch fastball over Escobar's head and knocked him down to start the game. Couldn't have been too thrilled about that. So let's dive in more more into the trade deadline. Like I said before, it was the teams who have no business being buyers who made the biggest splashes. I mean, it's ridiculous, really. The Reds acquired Trevor Bauer from the Indians for Yasiel Puig and company, and the Mets acquire Marcus Stroman from the Blue Jays. And, of course, Granky to Houston, which is earth-shattering for Yankee fans like myself. Just stupid. But I think uh, I was talking about the Stroman deal last episode, and I couldn't really understand... Why they made the deal then, unless the Mets were going to flip Stroman to possibly get a Hall of Prospects. And honestly, that was apparently in effect. So according to John Heyman, the Mets were willing to offer Marcus Stroman to Cashman and the Yankees for Estevan Floriel and D.V. Garcia, which Brian Cashman thought, again, was too much for a year and a half rental. Now, is it too much to ask for if you're the New York Mets? I honestly don't know. Both highly touted prospects, but have never really proved anything on the big league level. This is the one thing I don't really love about Cashman uh, prospect hugging these guys. You have to take a gamble one of these days if you're Brian Cashman. Floriel and Garcia will not hurt you on the other side of town. Again, highly touted prospects, very talented, have yet to prove anything at the big league level. Uh, I can't, I mean, Garcia, they could use him now, but Floriel's not going to see playing time. The Yankees outfield is locked up for the next five years at least with Hicks, Judge, and Stanton. These guys are here to be traded. They're literally in Trenton and Scranton-Wilkes-Barre waiting to be traded for a pitching prospect. I mean, they know that they're not going to see many at-bats in the Bronx. I mean, I can't speak again for D.V. Garcia, who they could use him right now. They'll probably see him in September. They could really use him right now. Because I'll tell you one thing, this Yankee bullpen is going to be burned out by November when the season's all said and done. Guys like Chad Green, Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, Tommy Canely, all going to be overused, all going to be overutilized because the Yankees are going to have to rely on this devastating bullpen For most of the postseason, because in today's day and age, unless you're Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer, all starting pitchers get rocked in the postseason. It's become the lay of the land over the past two postseasons. No one gets past the fifth inning in postseason play anymore. Yankee starters can't get past five innings in late July, okay? That's a serious issue heading into the postseason when you're most likely going to be seeing the four-headed monster in Verlander, Cole, Granke, and Wade Miley come the ALCS. I mean, hopefully everyone is healthy come late September and ready to go for the division series in October because that may be the one thing that can counter this awful starting pitching. You saw what they did to the poor Rays and Blue Jays about a month ago when they were on the lineup. I'm talking LeMahieu, Judge, Voigt, Stanton, Encarnacion, Gregorius, Torres, Hicks, Gary Sanchez, who leads the Yankees in home runs. That lineup can be unstoppable if healthy. You can afford to give up six runs in a game with that lineup in full wrecking machine savage mode. Jesus. If you can get Judge back 
2017 form, Stanton healthy and ready to hit. Voight, if he can turn it around like he did last season, you know Didi will be clutch. It's going to be a devastating postseason for American League pitching. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Minnesota. About to get clotheslined from hell by a parade of 420-foot homers. Yeah. And even despite getting nothing at the trade deadline and watching Houston enhance their already dangerous rotation, the Yankees and Astros seem to be almost a lock for the ALCS. I, I don't want to discredit the Twins, but the Yankees historically are just so good against them. I mean, they were up 8-2 to on the Yanks last week and blew the lead. The Red Sox are going to have the bullpen, or they're not going to have the bullpen to match anybody. The Rays will not have the pitching nor the offense either. The Yankees' offense will carry them against bad pitching until they run into the brick wall that is the Houston Astros. I mean, with that rotation, Verlander, Cole, Granke, Miley, and that lineup with Altuve, Springer, and Correa at the front, the Yankees are going to need all the offensive help they can get, especially, and I mean especially, We've seen how uh, uh, important home field advantage is, especially if the Strohs have home field like they did two years ago. We saw how important home field was then. Yankees go down 2-0 at Minute Maid in Houston, win all three games in the Bronx, were undefeated at home in the 2017 postseason, up 3-2 going back to Minute Maid, one win away from the World Series, about to go to their first World Series in eight seasons under Joe Girardi, and they lose. They, they just couldn't hit the ball in Houston. I mean, it was so obvious. The Astros undefeated at home until they lost. I think they lost one game, game four, against the Dodgers in that World Series. They won every game but one in the 2017 World Series season. So home field advantage, very important. It looked like the Yankees were going to get it about a week ago. Now the Astros have the best record in the AL, and they're only going to get better with Granke now under the tutelage of Verlander. Things are going to get interesting. The Yankees are most likely, unless the Astros just fall apart and Granke's deal is a complete bust, are most likely looking like they're going to face the Twins in the American League Division Series with the Astros meeting the winner of possibly Boston and Tampa Bay or even Texas in the wild card game. I don't care if you're a Cubs fan or a Brewers fan or a Nationals fan, a Phillies fan. I think it's going to be the Braves that are going to run away with that division. The Los Angeles Dodgers are going to be a tough team to beat in the NL as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they're 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 already looking at the World Series, and I think they're looking past the World Series at this point. They've lost two years in a row. This isn't going to be a year, uh, man, we worked hard to get here. No, they're going to go to the World Series, and they're like, we are far from finished. We are hungry. We are ready to win this thing. They're going to be a tough team to beat whoever goes to the World Series, whether it's Houston, New York, Boston, Minnesota, the Dodgers. They're a bunch of savages. They're 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 going to be tough to beat in that batter's box and on that mound with Kershaw and Walker Bueller at the front. So let's take another quick break, another quick word from Tick Pick, and then we'll get into our uh, brief post-game interview with White Sox top pitching prospect and now starting pitcher in their rotation, Dylan Cease. So another quick word from Tick Pick. Have you ever felt cheated out of a deal when buying tickets from StubHub only to see that there's a $15 fee at the end of your original purchase? Or have you ever been on Vivid Seats and not even get your tickets? That, that actually happened to me once. I ordered a ticket from Vivid Seats and I never got the ticket. And that's why I switched over to TickBick.com. 
where smart fans buy tickets online. No hidden fees. Search and buy now 100% authentic tickets. Best price guarantee, 24-7 customer service. Buy, bid on, and sell tickets with the confidence of their 110% guarantee. That's 110% guarantee. They show you the best deals with their algorithms and let you decide 0% buyer fees. If your ticket is $26, your, pur your purchase is $26. No joke. Most transparent consumer-friendly ticket marketplace on the web, authentic valid tickets backed by our 100% money-back guarantee. You'll love your ticketing experience from purchase through the final whistle or out and no hidden fees. Like I said, if it's $26, hell, if it's $8, it is an $8 purchase. Save an average of 10 to 15% on every purchase guaranteed only at TickPick.com. Get your tickets now. So Dylan Cease ranked as the number one prospect in the White Sox organization coming into 2019 was traded to the south side from the north side was actually originally drafted by the Chicago Cubs in 2015 was traded to the White Sox alongside Eloy Jimenez for Jose Quintana in 2017 at the deadline. What a bad idea if you're Theo Epstein right about now. That deal was not it didn't pan out the way. It was supposed to, to say the very least. Eloy Jimenez and Dylan Cease, two very valuable big league talents. Jose Quintana never uh, really living up to the hype, very underwhelming on the north side. Uh, but nevertheless, Cease, one in three, got called up three weeks ago, like I mentioned. He's now in the White Sox rotation. One in three thus far in the big leagues with a 6.86 ERA. So struggling early on, but that's normal for a guy who's never seen big league. Hey, I mean, I've never played, but I know it's different than AAA for sure. So here's Dylan on his start back on June 21st in AAA for the Charlotte Knights. He pitched five and two-thirds innings through 103 pitches in a no decision. We talk mechanics, his performance, what he looks forward to the most, and working on his command. Dylan Cease on the Osho Podcast. Dylan Cease, you had an excellent start to this one. Great first inning, but kind of lost your command after that. Talk to me a little bit about your overall performance tonight. Yeah, uh, I lost a little bit of my command uh, towards the middle of it. Um, my stuff was better than it has been today, though, so it, it felt like I'm heading in the right direction. And as far as losing your command, uh, what was the cause? Is that something that just happens, or was it a mechanical issue? Uh, it just happens, honestly. Now, after your start tonight, what would you say is your main goal moving forward? You got the AAA All-Star Game coming up in just a few short weeks, and you're also rumored to be making your way up to Chicago in the near future as well. What's your main goal right now as uh, you look to move forward? For me, it's just getting, uh, continuing to get a better feel for my pitching, um, and obviously uh, winning and, and hopefully coming in first um, with our division, but 
definitely getting a better feel. And your offense picked you up tonight, 110 pitches tonight. How are you feeling mechanically, and what can you what can you say that you can do differently next time? How can you uh, adjust? I, I feel great mechanically. Um, I think it's just at the end of the day, you know, trusting it, having that feel, and, and going after him. So this was episode 75. Yeah, 75 episodes in, 25 away from 100. Got to get some Blues Brothers in on this episode. So the Osho Podcast is presented by Belly Up Sports, Be Bold, Stand Out, and by Tick Pick. Get your tickets now. No hidden fees. If it's $44, it's $44. I actually just got tickets the other night for the Yankees and Diamondbacks. It was good, straight up $40. It was nice. So... Alcides Escobar, Dylan Cease, a little trade deadline talk. The Yankees, you're breaking my heart. Walter White, why don't you tell Brian Cashman how I feel about this? Fuck you. Yeah, what he said. I'm going to go read a book or something. Mission 27 by Brian Hoke and Mark Fine said, very good uh, book. I'm going to try and get him back on the show once I'm done reading it. Chapter a night. Don't get too far ahead of myself. Brian Hoke hopefully gets back on this show shortly. I'll be heading down to Scranton Wilkesbury next week. Uh, we got an interview lined up with Yankees uh, first base prospect Ryan McBroom. Hopefully, you can get that one on video. Check it out. Uh, again, you could subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Podbean. I think still. I don't even know if we're still on Podbean. I actually got an email saying that that account just got. Uh, like suspended or it expired whatever go check us out on apple podcast easiest form there osho podcast belly up sports tick pick hit it hootie Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.